Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the privilege of talking to a best-selling author who is a highly sought-after speaker in the former president of Starbucks, Mr. Howard Bihar. Mm, he's such a sweet man, friends. He had such great stories about Starbucks, like who made up the terms tall, venti, and grande, and why can't we just order small, medium, or large? And thankfully, Howard wasn't offended by Steph's question of... Do you ever drink coffee from a gas station? I thought it was a great question. <laughs> well, I did too. But we are talking to a man who was on the board of directors at Starbucks for 12 years and actually travels with his own coffee. So, spoiler alert, no, he doesn't pull over and get coffee at a gas station. But he did play a huge role in the creation of the Frappuccino. Yes, he did. And, folks, he actually gives you his personal contact information at the very end in case you would like to contact him yourself. You guys, we can't wait for you to hear this very fun conversation with Mr. Howard Bihar. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future, followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Steph. He's a big deal. Our- <laughs> He's a big deal. And, and I was trying to be like professional and say, you know, Mr. He's like, no, call me Howard. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Yeah, he's I'm- the nicest man. I already love him. I'm ready to have a fun conversation it's here. It's going to be great. Yes, it is. And he's already got his coffee here. He's ready to go. Yes, he is. So friends, our next guest is a highly sought after speaker, advisor, and best-selling author. For 21 years, he led Starbucks in various roles, including president of North America and then the founding president of Starbucks International. And he is a huge college football fan and a season ticket holder of the Washington Huskies. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Howard Bihar. Mr. Howard, he's here. Go dogs. Huskies. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for saying yes to us. And of course, this is October when we're recording this with you. And the first thing we wanted to ask is, is it true that the first day of fall officially is whenever Starbucks starts serving pumpkin spice lattes? Is that true? That's right. That's the way it is. And we always are early. Yes, you are. it It always seems to move just a day or two up, you know. It's just like the peppermint latte. It seems to come early and earlier every year. It's crazy. And like Starbucks will sell out of it when yeah. they first come. And I'm just like, it's, you know, October, whatever. And they're already sold out of it. It's like two o'clock. It's crazy yeah. the people that yeah. jump on this drink. Right. The first day, particularly. Yeah. So you were there when that actually started at Starbucks. I was. Did you think it was going to be this big of a phenomenon, this big of a success as it's turned into? No. I, I mean, we had no idea. And, and people liked it, you know. To tell you the truth, I don't, I don't drink anything but black coffee. So I think I've had two sips of a pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> but people love, people love it, you know. People love those drinks, and, and we sell a lot of them. 
Okay, you say you only drink black coffee. Does it have to be Starbucks, or could you go to a gas station and drink their coffee and be completely fine? I would never go to a gas station and drink their coffee. However, I would. There's lots of companies I would drink coffee from. I really like Pete's Coffee, and but I like dark roast coffees. Does it have to be freshly ground coffee beans? Like, are you that particular in your coffee? I mean, no. I mean, I. Look, but you know, I will tell you that I take my coffee with me when I travel. If I'm traveling outside the country and, and I don't think I'm going to be close to a Starbucks store, which is getting harder and harder now, you can get always close to one, but um, then I'll make my own coffee. Wow. I was that's not expecting that. He travels with his coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Okay. So how many cups of coffee a day do you drink, Howard? I drink two triple tall Americanos every day in the morning. So that's three shots of espresso and about... Plus, not quite eight ounces of water. What? So that's about six cups of coffee then. Can you imagine <laughs> if I drank two triple shots of <laughs> no, no, I can't. I would not want that to happen. <laughs> Howard, this is caffeine-free stuff that you're talking to right now. So, We're yes. Caffeine-free? Yes. Yep. So, so if we... I go to Starbucks, I'm either getting the hot chocolate or the caramel apple cider, and I love yeah. them both. But yeah. I'm not a coffee girl. Yes. Okay, Howard, let me tell you a quick story. So the first time, I remember it distinctly, the very first time that I went to Starbucks, Steph and I, it was our first year of marriage. We went on vacation with some friends of ours down to, was it Palm Beach, Florida? Yeah, was I Palm think Beach? so, with Paul Michelle. Mm-hmm. And our, my friend Paul was like, listen, I'm going to treat you to Starbucks. You got to order one of these new Frappuccinos. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. So I go in there, Howard, and I'm like, I would like a... A large Frappuccino. And of course, you get the side eye when you (laughs) say small, medium, or large. Okay? So come to find out, tall is not actually tall. It means it's a small. I was thinking it'd be short (laughs) versus tall. Right? And then, it's of course, it's grande and venti and just threw me off. So the first question is, where did that come from? Yeah. Is that Italian terms? Is that something somebody made up? Where did that come from? The grande, you know, is from Italy or, or from Italian or Spanish, and the same with the vente. Yeah, but this short and tall, they were just, I don't know. To tell you the truth, it was there before I was there. So I, I think Howard was thinking when he named him Howard Schultz, you know, that who would want to buy a short? Oh, yes. Everybody, wa- yes. everybody wanted to buy a tall. That makes sense. So then, of course, I had my first Frappuccino. And, and you loved it. I loved it. And then every day, the rest of that week, Paul and I would go to Starbucks and I would get a Frappuccino every single day there on that vacation. But when I was researching, the Frappuccino was actually introduced when you were there at Starbucks. That's true. Can you tell the story of how that was developed, how that was introduced then at, at Starbucks? It was actually developed by a district manager, a store manager, and a barista in Southern California at, at the Third Street Promenade Store in Santa Monica. And there was a competitor that had a nice blended drink. And and customers kept coming into our store saying, don't you have this? We didn't have it. So this district manager said, I got to create something like it. And she invited me down and uh, she said, here's what I think we should do. She took me to the competitor's store. I think we should have a drink like this. So I took the idea back to Seattle. There was no support at all because the guy that was in charge of of product development was a purist. He just wanted us to sell coffee. Okay. So I let it go for a while, and she, her name was Dina Campion. And she called me up again and said, can you come down again and visit me? And I said, what do you want? She says, well, 
I want to show you some more things about that drink. I said, Dina, you know what the answer is. Let it go for six months and we'll come back at it. And, and she said, oh, please come down. She's like one of those little tiny dogs with really sharp teeth that sink <laughs> it into your cap and you can't shake them off. You know? <laughs> anyway, so I said, well, I'm not going to make a special trip, but I have to be down there in about three weeks. So I made an appointment with her and her team. And I went in there and she brought three little sample cups. You know, we've been in Starbucks. Sometimes we have those little sample cups. And so she served me this drink in the sample cups. And I said, Dean, are you trying to get me fired? Right. Because I said, this tastes remarkably like that beverage we had in the competitor store. And she said, Howard, please let us try this. I think that we could sell 30 drinks a day per store. That would be significant for us. And so I, I looked deep inside myself and I said, okay, I'll go against the grain a little bit and we'll sneak it in. And that's what we did. We snuck it in. Just that one store? She had about seven or eight stores, as I remember. And we put it in all the stores. And it was a blood success. Not only did she sell 30 drinks a day, but the first week she sold 50 drinks. The second week, 70 drinks a day per store. And by the time all was said and done, Dina... I like to call it her broom because I always believe the person who sweeps the floor should choose the broom. And what I mean by that is that there's nobody that knows more about what the customer wants than the barista, store manager, or the district manager. So she had goals to, you know, serve her customers. And, you know, she thought she could do something different. She should choose her own broom or her own beverage. And in those days, we were a small company. There were a lot of things we could do that they wouldn't have more trouble doing today. And so anyway, we snuck it in and it turned out to be at the end of the day, a $4 billion business. Oh. What? At one time, it was almost 20% of Starbucks sales. That one beverage. Wow. And then, it, of course, it turned into them bottling it, too. Oh, mm-hmm. that's true. In the you know in yeah. the stores and everything. So yeah. it blew up yeah, into that. It became a global beverage. And it was all because of Dina Campion. Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home? Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do, is going to be honest with me, and cares about even the smallest of details. Well, thankfully, we know just the builder. You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies. Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Okay, Howard, you talked about traveling with your coffee. What is your kitchen like at your house? I am imagining it's like a kiosk for Starbucks <laughs> where you just, at least that's what I was thinking before you got in here and said you only drink black coffee. But yeah. I was thinking it was going to be like a kiosk where you just can whip up anything. Up some foam, at any time. Yes. some fancy shavings <laughs> on it. I do all that, I, but I don't because I, my wife doesn't drink coffee either. And, doesn't you know, she? She likes Diet Pepsi. So that's her caffeine. <laughs> But I mean, I have I have a very expensive espresso machine, and I can do anything I want on it. But it's not what I do. <laughs> so when you're at work at Starbucks, would yeah. they have Starbucks kiosks in oh, your yeah. corporate buildings? Every floor had a kitchen that had two or three espresso machines, had all the flavors, all the milks, everything you can want. You can make your own drink, or if you wanted to, you could go down to the first floor, and we had a little store that. You could get a free drink upstairs, right? But you had to make it yourself. Or you could go downstairs and you had to pay. You got a 30% discount, but you still had to pay. It was amazing how many people would go downstairs and pay for a drink. 
<laughs> Howard, I would be trying to concoct my oh, own coffee. It would be so gross. Except I would be making myself with. sick. Yeah, you upstairs would. on the top floors, yes, right? To, trying to make my own <laughs> <laughs> drink. Yeah, well, <laughs> people do that. They mix all these different flavors together, you know. And we've always got flavors we're testing, so they're the first ones to get them. Would there be like instructions of how you make certain drinks? Have to be right. Like, hey, well, we'll see how this tastes. You know, to tell you the truth, I don't remember an instruction. I think people just, they, first of all, everybody got to go through training and how to make drinks. Oh, okay. Did they? Yeah, not, not at a barista level, but. Right. And then they would figure it out themselves. Oh, I like that. That's kind of cool. Day one, the CPA. Okay, I got to learn how to brew this <laughs> coffee, coffee here. I gotta make a drink, yeah. <laughs> all right, Howard. So for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts so listeners know what you've done and some of the things that you've accomplished. And Steph is not aware of any of these. So you're going to see her true, genuine reaction to these fun facts. All right, Steph, you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. Fun fact number one, Mr. Bihar did not graduate from college. He took classes at a community college in Washington, but never graduated. Are you ready for this? Yes. Howard. Can you please tell my wife what your unofficial major was at the community college? Beer. <laughs> Beer. And I graduated to single malt scotches before I got out of there. <laughs> really? That was my major, was beer. I'm not kidding. You know, you know I'm kidding. Yes, but that's yes. basically what my major was. <laughs> I, wasn't, so I wasn't much of a student. I mean, that is so shocking to the level of success that you've had in your career, because today, all these corporate executives, it's rare that they don't have an MBA from an Ivy League school. Yeah, right. So with you not having the college degree, what were some of the things then that you tell kids and other young people in their careers? Like, hey, here's the things you got to do to be successful, whether you have a degree or not. Don't do what I did. That's what I tell them. Go to school. I don't really particularly care if you get a degree, but go to school to learn how to learn. The other thing I always I say is figure out who you are as a person, what your values are, what matters to you, what you love doing, what your passion is, what your greater purpose is in life, and then proceed towards that. What are you trying to accomplish? And write them down. If you don't write them down, they're just wishes, hopes, and dreams. And so you got to write them down. You know, if you don't know where you're going in life, any path will get you there. That's true. You know, you don't have to have a lifelong, you don't have to say, this is what I, if I'm 18 years old, you know, you're not going to be thinking about what I'm doing at 65 years old, but what do you want to do over the next one, three, five years? What would you like to learn? What would you like to accomplish? How would you like to spend your time? So how did you go from a degree in single malt scotch (laughs) to black coffee president of Starbucks? You know, it's a journey. You know, I was curious, always curious. I may not have been a good student in school, but I was a good student in life. Yes. You know, I had good mentors along the way that helped me, you know, take each step. And I wanted to learn. And so I did. And small business teaches you a lot of things because in small business, you have to do everything. You own everything. You know, it doesn't make any difference what it is. My dad ran advertisements. He's hired and fired people. He bought inventory. You know, he served his customers. I mean, he did everything. And you learn that in life that you're not afraid to pick up the cigarette butts. And so I was one of those people that was always willing to do things that other people wouldn't do because I didn't have a college degree. I was insecure about it for a long time, but that's how I did it. It was just one step at a time. And I got lucky. I mean, luck 
played a role. You know, I know I have my definitions. Luck is where opportunity meets preparation. But the opportunity has to come along, and then you have to be lucky enough to recognize it. And I could have just easily turned right instead of turning left and not been with Starbucks when you and I wouldn't have been having this conversation. Yeah. When you went to Starbucks, did you have to work up the ladder or did they hire you right in for president? No, no. I came in as VP of operations, but it was a tiny company at that time. So I had to, I had to grow fast at Starbucks because we were growing fast and I had never done anything that big before. When you got hired as at VP operations, did yeah. you had you even heard of Starbucks? Yeah, oh yeah, I'd been a customer for fifteen years buying coffee by the pound, and I got lucky. I had a friend named Jeff Brotman, who's long since passed away. He was one of the original founders of Costco. You know Costco? Yes. Oh, I love yes. Costco. Okay. Yes. So Jeff was from Tacoma, and I grew up through high school with him, and so he introduced. He was on the board of this little coffee company called Starbucks. And he introduced me to Howard Schultz, who was kind of the modern day founder of Starbucks. And that's how it started. Wow. So Starbucks first originally started just selling their coffee and then they went into like opening shops or stores? Yeah, stores. I mean, when Howard bought the company from the original founders, they hardly sold a cup of coffee. Everything was coffee by the pound, coffee making equipment, tea, spices, all sorts of things, but no lattes. And then Howard left the company and started a company called Il Giornale, which was modeled after the Italian coffee bars. And when he bought the company, merged those two ideas together. And, and today, that's what you see. Did you know that? I did. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. I did. They yeah. didn't serve coffee. It was selling the coffee beans Uh-huh. is, is what it originally was doing for well, years. Well, when you said you've been buying the coffee for years, I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because it was starting to grow rapidly. Yeah. So that is fascinating yep, they didn't change that until like the mid 80s okay yeah. so yeah. that's pretty cool yeah. thank you 1986 when we sold our first cup of coffee where was it at it was in seattle on uh, fourth avenue wow. 1986 and it started in 1971 yeah so 15 years until they sold their first cup of coffee yeah that's crazy and so the first location there in seattle is slam stuff like i saw a picture and it is like lines out the door like even oh, to this yeah. day you know when people friends come to town they want to go to that store and i drive them by i say take a look because we're not staying <laughs> <laughs> and we go to a store that doesn't have that line okay fun fact number two mr bihar used to live in a condo on the 24th floor of the escala tower in seattle if that sounds familiar his old home the escala building is the fictional 31st floor home of Christian Grey. 50 Shades of Grey. From 50 Shades of Grey. Yeah. <laughs> True. So I thought you were going to act like you didn't know that. <laughs> I was trying to be so calm. Like, when he said a skull, I'm like, that's 50 Shades of Grey. I probably shouldn't know that, but I do. <laughs> so, Howard, when that came out, the book and then the movies, yeah. what was that like for you as <laughs> the owner or one, one of the owners, was there all of a sudden a ton of touristy people that like uh, walk around the building? They're all taking pictures out in front of the building. It was incredible. And every day you'd go out there and here would be people. There We had a sign that said Escala. And of course, everybody was taking pictures in front of Escala. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Every day. It's not so much anymore. I think it's kind of gone all gone away. But, but I don't see it very much anymore. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. All right, Steph. Fun fact number three. Howard is the founding president of Starbucks International. Mm -hmm. He led the company 
to opening the very first store outside of North America in Japan in 1996. So, question, Howard. What were some of the, I guess, cultural things you had to learn when you started opening these stores in different countries? Because I read in Saudi Arabia, your stores had to build a wall in every store to separate men from women, and you had to change your logo to take the the female off of the Starbucks logo. So what were some of the things you had to learn? Well, you had to learn about each culture, and you had to go in with an open heart and an open mind. I mean, some things we didn't adjust, like I mean, every place we went, the beverages were the beverages. Our recipes were our recipes. But we always customized everything in every place that we went. But you have to learn patience is another thing. Is things don't move at the pace that you want to remove. And you have to have patience. And, and, you know, like when we first opened in Japan, they have all these unwritten rules. Oh, in those days, they kind of used to make it problematic for foreign companies to come in and so, you know, you had to have patience with that. At the beginning, I didn't. You know, I said, what the hell is wrong with them? What's going on? Yada, 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 yada. And finally, I learned I can't, couldn't get any place not having patience. And just uh, we had to be the best. We had to be better than the Japanese companies at it. And so, you know, we would go in just with an open heart, open mind. We would have people come in and teach us about those cultures before we even went there. So we would learn. And you know, make sure that we didn't really screw something up badly. And and we had joint venture partners no matter where we went. So they were teaching us as well. All right. Next fun fact. During his tenure, he participated in the growth of the company from 28 stores mm-hmm. when oh. he started. Just okay. 28. To over 15,000 stores <gasps> spanning five continents. All right. So during the 90s and up to the recession around 2007, Starbucks opened on average Two new stores every day. <gasps> no. Yeah, amazing, isn't it? I don't know how we did. I'm going to say, were you ever like, hey, guys, can I take a breath here? Can we like slow down <laughs> just for a second? Like, that's incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. It's all because of the people at Starbucks. You know, they it was their dream and they made it happen and they did a lot of hard work, but they got it done. Okay, so when you're opening two brand new stores a day yeah. for 20 years, what is your travel schedule like? Mm. Are you constantly flying anywhere and everywhere back then? That was 70% of the time I was gone. Yeah. And, wow. and, and when we started Starbucks International, I wasn't just gone 70% of the time, but my, my trips were two and three weeks at a crack. That's true. Time I, put, I put on 25,000 actual air miles in one trip. <gasps> <laughs> one trip? Yeah. Oh, so would your wife travel with you just so she could be with you? She used to think she wanted to do that until she figured out it wasn't that much fun. Mm. Yeah. So sometimes she would go. If it was someplace she'd never been that she really wanted to go, yeah, then she'd go. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. All right, Steph. So going back to all the growth, okay? The highest concentration of Starbucks is in Santa Fe Springs, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Okay. All right. So 
over a 25 mile radius, there are. No, I'm a guess. I'm a guess. I'm a guess. How many Starbucks coffee shops do you okay. think are in that 25 mile radius right outside of LA? 25 mile radius. 25 miles. How many coffee shops? I'm going to say 50. Howard, do you know? I have no idea. I've never, that's, I've never heard that question asked. I didn't even know that fact. <laughs> the answer, 560. No! No, no kid. No! 560. And then in New York City alone, of course, they talk about how there's a Starbucks on every street corner. Uh-huh. In Manhattan, there's over 250 Starbucks. Yeah. So literally that, I mean, just the growth. That's what happens when you do two a day for oh, 20 years. Oh, my goodness. So... Fun fact number five here. Howard is the author of the classic, It's Not About the Coffee, a guide to leading by putting people first. And then another book he wrote called The Magic Cup. And so, Howard, of course, a a consistent theme on you writing and you speaking, this is one thing that drew me to you, is the theme and the idea of you're always putting others first, the servant leadership. So I'm curious, where did that come from? Was that from your parents? Is that something that you learned early on your career? Where did that come from, Howard? Well, yeah, all that stuff really comes from family of origin stuff. My dad had a small mom and pop grocery store. And in that, you know, the customers weren't just our customers. They were our neighbors. They were our friends. You know, we knew their families. We knew them. And my dad was always serving them in some way or another. You know, he had charge accounts for each customer. So, you know, the customer would come in and my dad would ring it up on the cash register and put the little slip and what, on the little booklet and then at the end of the month he'd bill them. And sometimes they couldn't pay, you know, and he would carry them for a long time. And that's what he did. And I remember one time, and it was a lesson I learned early on in life from him, that not everything you do in life do you need to get paid for. He asked me to go and get some strawberries in the back. He was ringing up a customer and I went in the back, brought him up and he put them in the bag. And the customer walked out the door and I was old enough to realize he hadn't rung them up on a cash register. And so I said, dad, you forgot to ring those up. And he said, son, not everything we do in life do we need to get paid for. And I happen to know these people love fresh fruit, but right now they can't afford to buy it. So it's just my way of helping them out. And I didn't realize the importance of that statement at the time. It took me until I, you know, I was much older, but not everything in life do we need to get paid for. I think all too often today, people are worried about what they're going to get. Right. That's well said. Well, here's a quote from Howard. Quote, I've been through a lot. I've had ups and downs. I've been fired and I've made mistakes. But at the end of the day, there's only one role any of us will ever have, and that is serving others. Mm. So it goes along with what he just said. Mm -hmm. But Howard, when did you get fired? Was this from your dad's grocery store? Did your dad fire you? <laughs> yeah, you want all the time so I get fired? Okay, I'll give you the, the first time I got fired was when my brother-in-law fired me. I was oh, no. Working in, I was working in his furniture store. So my sister was mad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then he, then he hired me back, but I said, geez, I better figure out something else. So I did. And I, I went to work for another company. And then, uh, let's see, when did I get? Oh, yeah. So then I went to work for a company called Gold Key. It was a division of federated department stores. And I had a boss who would come in every morning and he looked at me and say, hiya, dummy, how you doing? Oh, no. Well, I was never used to being treated like that, you know. His name was Erwin Greenwald. He was actually a nice guy. Erwin was about 6'4". I mean, I'm about 5'10", you know, so he's powered above me. Howard, did you just call him out on this radio show, on this podcast? You actually listed his name, right? You know, Erwin passed away a long time ago. So okay. and anyway, so one day he came in and he said that to me, and I got up out of my desk, 
off my chair and I went up to him and I stood looking right up to him. I said, Erwin, don't you thing ever say that to me again? Three weeks later, I was fired. So that was times two. Oh. Okay, then I became president of a land development company in Seattle that was for RV owners. And it was the first time I ever had responsibility for running a company. And the company got bought and I didn't like the people particularly well. Okay. And so I grew and I called my protest beard, which I still have to this day. I knew, that, <laughs> I, I, knew they didn't, I knew they didn't like beards. So they fired me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then I'm 65 years old and I'm on the board of the Gap. You know the Gap? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So there was the guy, one of the founders, a, a man named Don Fisher and his wife. Great people. But Don and I disagreed on something significant. And before you know it, I was asked to step off the board. So here I am, 65 years old, still getting fired, you know, <laughs> and it, it hurts your feelings and it hurt my feelings. But, you know, such is life. You got to be willing to bet your job every day for the things you believe in. Uh, if you're afraid to get fired, you're going to be very difficult to do things that you should do and to speak the truth when you should speak the truth. And I always felt that I needed to speak at least my truth. And sometimes you paid a price for it. Mm. I was not expecting that mm-hmm. that answer. I thought it was going to be like his dad fired him from his grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> so, but every time landed on his feet did. and didn't give up. Did not give up. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. All right, Steph. Today, Howard lives in Seattle, Washington, with his wife Lynn. Enjoys spending time with his children, five grandchildren, and of course, he travels the world speaking to leaders, organizations, and students. And he mentioned his wife Lynn earlier, and I'm glad he didn't take my fun fact. Okay. You ready for this stuff? Mm-hmm. So his wife, Lynn, she's an oncology social worker with a doctorate and master's degree from the University of Washington. She is a pioneer in the field of oncology social work and co-authored the 872-page Handbook of Oncology Social Work, Psychosocial Care for People with Cancer. Mm. So a very, very accomplished couple. And I can only imagine the topics at dinner conversation or over the Starbucks coffee table <laughs> that these two have. Here's the smart one. She's incredible, and I couldn't do what she did with her in her career. You know, she, she's dealing with people that are dying, with the families that are trying to support those people, and she's got a, a heart but made of stone. You know, I was able right. to deal with those issues and support people in their times of crisis. Well, God bless the two of you for the impact you've made on people's lives, whether at the hospital, the medical stuff that you do, all the nonprofit stuff that you do, but just absolutely incredible, Howard. So friends, for more information about Howard, you can follow him on Twitter at Howard Bihar. Also his website, howardbihar.com. I would highly recommend you go to, you can learn more about Howard and do the research that I did to prep for this conversation. (laughs) So, but we'll put all that in our show notes on our website. So you can just click on the link and go right to his account. So Wait a second before we leave. Yes. I, I would like to give every all audiences my phone number or my email address. So if they ever want to just reach out for any reason, they can. So my phone number is 206-972-7776. And my email address is hb at howardbihar.com. I always respond. I may be a little slow, but I get back to everybody. I was not expecting that. I am blown away right now. Howard, just a heads up. You're probably going to get like rapid text (laughs) from my wife here. (laughs) 
on just random things. So family pictures, Anytime, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah, right? I think so. <laughs> Well, friends, we'll put that in our show notes as well. So mm-hmm. you can contact Howard with any questions. And that's I'm the first so time nice that's ever you. happened on thank Tell Us a Good you. Story. So thank you, Howard. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to meet you both. I love you. I love oh, you. I, I love, love you, you yeah. too, Howard. Yeah, I can tell where the, I can see where all this stuff happens in this family. Thank you. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.